Welcome, everybody, to today's installment of the Red Zone Report, brought to you live by PLB Sports and Entertainment, makers of Josh's Jacks, JA17 line of coffee, and the Diggs 14 line of hot sauces. Welcome to the show. Please enjoy. everybody welcome to today's installment of the resident report again brought to you by plv sports and entertainment my name is izzy i am the host of the show and i'm glad to have everybody back today who is back anybody new who's uh just tuning into the show for the first time and this is your first time at built in buffalo check us out we've got guys throughout the entire week doing shows just for you guys now uh before i get into my show <clears throat> uh i'm gonna have a little Moment of silence. Uh, a good friend of mine who served in the military with me uh, passed away on Monday. And so, Javier, rest in peace. Love you, buddy. All right. <clears throat> so, carrying on with the show, everybody. We got some comments way before the show started with Chris. Go Bills. Sophia, back on the show again. Hey, Izzy. Welcome, Sophia. Izzy with the lit intro as always. Hey, bro, go Bills. Thank you very much, Robbie. All right. All you guys are so nice to me, so wonderful to me. Thank you so much for um, tuning in. Now, <clears throat> today I'm here to cover what players should improve for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. Which players need to, need to take a step, step forward? Which players just need to get better overall? And so out of the whole roster, I looked at the important players. And the players that really need to make a step in order to win championships or to get a new contract, whether it's with Buffalo or with some other team, a lot of these guys really need to get their games and step up, right? And some of these guys have stepped up progressively throughout their careers, and some of them have had a downshift. Some of them are so young that they haven't had the chance to step up yet. So here we go, starting with number one on my list. AJ Epinesa. Now, <clears throat> AJ Epinesa's career started off pretty rocky. He came in, uh, we knew fresh out of college that the boy was a little heavy. Nancy, come in. Hello, Izzy. Hello, Nancy. We know that your man 
AJ Epinesa came in a bit heavy, right? He was like 280 pounds at Iowa, which is like Ed Oliver's weight, but a defensive end, and we needed him to, you know, lose some weight. So he did, and he was kind of unstable with his new playing weight. Just wasn't able to get around, uh, you know, his new body composition, wasn't able to maximize his abilities. And so because of that, his first couple years, not so great. Now, last year, AJ Epinesa had a small breakout season. Now, when I say small breakout season, I mean AJ Epinesa, his pass rush grade with PFF was a 70.4. His run defense grade, not so good. It was a 43. Overall, 56.7 overall grade as a, as a defensive end. Now, for a rotational guy who's going to be, you know, not your starter, but solid at rotations, the man had seven solo tackles and one assisted tackle. He played about 40% of the total snaps. So I guess a lot of the plays didn't go his way. Uh, forced fumbles. He forced two fumbles last year. He had 12 stops, seven sacks. It was actually six and a half, but PFF, they just count that, that half a sack as a sack because he got there. Uh, 16 hurries, 26 pressures, and three QB hits. So a small increase or small <clears throat> breakout for him was the six and a half, seven sacks. He is a pass rusher. That's what we brought him here to do. And this past year, on 40% of the snaps, the man went out there and put up six and a half sacks. That is a step up from what he was doing before. AJ Epinesa, this year, needs to step it up again. He is on a contract year this year. This is the year where he needs to really step it up in order to get paid by somebody else or the Bills or fade into obscurity. Now, I don't think he would fade into obscurity if he got hurt or if, you know, something happened to him. He might get, you know, re-signed for one more year with the Bills or somebody might take a shot on him like we did with, uh, what's his name, Murphy? He had like nine and a half sacks for the, you know, Washington team. And then all of a sudden comes to Buffalo, we sign him, we're excited about him, and it didn't work out for us, right? He'd be on that track if he got hurt this year, right? But other than that, he'd probably still find a job. He would just have to prove it to somebody else. This year is his prove-it deal for us. AJ Panessa could take a step forward. He can stay, you know, a pretty decent defensive end, or he could fall off the map. And it's really going to be up to him and how he produces when he sees the field. AJ Panessa is a good candidate for a re-sign if he puts up another six-and-a-half sack season. Has Epinesa lived up to his draft status? The answer to that is hard to come by, right? He was a late second-round pick. Um, AJ Epinesa, again, a second-round pick, you expect them to start at some point in time, and he has not done that. So I would say no on that. He has not lived up to his draft status as a second-round pick. However, under the circumstances he's dealt with, it's understandable. And this last year, he's made good on that. If you ask me, he's done something. When you have a Von Miller on his team and you have a Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson, you know these guys are all kind of specialized. And AJ Panessa is a specialized uh, pass rusher. He is a pass rusher by nature. Not so good against the run. Very good pass rushing, as we saw by the numbers there. 
man Lance in the comments. What up is what up, Lance? That is the president of Built in Buffalo right there. My man. Thank you. Now, Epinesa could decide his own fate this year. And for his own sake, man needs to step it up. Now, I'm going to try and keep some of these guys a little shorter because there's not a lot to talk about here, right? Epinesa had his first two years not so great. Last year, stepped up, did some things that were impressive. I really like that he's going to Vaughn's camp, as John Robert just said here in the comments. And I really like that AJ is doing all the work necessary in order to improve himself as a professional. That's what professionals do. He's got Vaughn on his team. Greg Rousseau's also looking a lot better, you know, since Vaughn got here. And so I'd like to see the, the entire group of defensive ends kind of step up. And for that reason, <clears throat> the next guy on my list, and I saw a comment earlier, is Boogie Basham. Now, Boogie did not see the field as much as AJ did last year, but he did grade better when it came to run defense, and he graded just below him in pass rush. Overall, he was a 66.4 grade when he saw the field. 56.9 run defense, 68.8 pass rush. He had two sacks last year. He had nine solo tackles, six assisted tackles, so 15 total, eight stops, 13 hurries, three hits, and 18 total pressures. And this is on about 37 to 38% snap count last year. He saw 129 run defense snaps, and he saw 246 pass rush snaps. So he, he saw the field quite a bit, enough for us to get a, a feel for who he is, what he is, and why we think that he's, you know, got potential. Potentially, he grades well on the field. He apparently, you know, works well with his hands and is able to do the techniques that are necessary. But the numbers just aren't there. Right? While his numbers in the run grade are better than Epinesa's, the pass rush isn't there. And he had, he had Epinesa had three times more sacks than him, a little bit more than three, three times. So when it comes to Boogie Basham, he really needs to step it up because he's only one year after Epinesa when it comes to draft grade. Next year is his contract year, and that's if the Bills decide to keep him around this year. Do I see the Bills letting him go? I, I don't necessarily see him letting him go, but they could trade him. He could be a trade candidate for a team that needs a defensive end. Maybe he'll see more time on the team, and that'll help his growth. Maybe somebody else leaves, and he ends up having to see the field more, and then we see some growth there. But he's remained pretty stagnant throughout his career with us. Uh, I do love Boogie Basham, his personality, the way he, you know, carries himself on the field. He has confidence. He's got good chemistry with the guys, but the production just not there yet. And this could be a, like a, a, a AJ Epinesa thing where year three he pops off, and that's what happened with Epinesa. Year three he popped off. Look at Dawson Knox. Year three he popped off. This is a McDermott theory right here that your guys are going to show you who they are in their third year, right? And this is his third year. And he really needs to show it. This is really what he's going to showcase, whether he's worth keeping around or not. And so I'm hoping that he does. I'm hoping that he shows that he can. Maybe he can work on the inside as a, you know, three technique replacement for Ed Oliver. So, you know, so when Ed Oliver just come off the field, you can put Boogie in there and still have a, a, a you know, short, stout, teapot type of guy who can go out there and bust through the middle on, on pass and rundowns. I do like Boogie Basham, but I, I haven't seen enough of him to really, you know, complain and compare, you know, or compare to, to much other guys. He just needs to step it up, probably more in practice than on the field, so that way he can see the field more. 
He came in more muscular to camp and faster, and Vaughn was impressed, and we will see. I'm hoping with you, brother. I, I, I like me some AJ Epinesa. I really do like AJ Epinesa, and I hope that he steps up. I hope that this year is kind of a breakout for him. But you know what? You got to put it out through the field. But Boogie Basham is tough. See, I honestly don't see Epinesa or Basham getting second contracts from the Bills. I don't disagree with you here, which is why part of my premise is these guys will get a contract here or elsewhere. It really depends on their their, their work this year. This year is really going to determine whether Epinesa – if Epinesa goes out and has 10.5 sacks, he could definitely get a second contract. Right? His first year, wash that one out. Didn't go well due to weight control and all that, all those kind of issues. The year after that, still kind of dealing with that, but also dealing with some, you know, player movements and stuff going on with that. Last year, Von Miller shows up. Von Miller gets hurt. AJ sees the field more. Body weight stable, able to carry himself the way he needs to. Six and a half sacks. Could be that Epinesa sets himself up for a big contract from somebody else or potentially to stay with the Bills. I don't know. And, you know, I don't want to project that because if he does pop off for 10 and a half sacks, I'd love to keep him because he showed steady progress. Now, do I see see him being more than a 10 to 12 sack guy any year? No. I think that 10, is, 10, maybe 12 is probably the limit that he could ever do as a professional. But I see him more as a rotational guy. So there's that. Now, Boogie Basham, I'm going to need some progress. Before I say anything about a second contract with the Bills or signing with somebody else, I'm going to need some progress. Because as of right now, with the progress, with the the numbers we're seeing from him, I'm seeing XFL. I'm seeing USFL. I'm not seeing NFL right now from him. Even though his grades are up there, the production's not. Right? And, and grading well on PFF is a very nice thing. Right? It's, it's nice when you go out there and you have a good PFF grade. It means you're doing you know, a bunch of things right. But when you're not getting the numbers then it doesn't matter because you're not you're not achieving the goal it's like jerry hughes his last year here in buffalo his pff grades were pretty decent but he had two and a half sacks the numbers were not there the juice wasn't worth the squeeze so he had to go and that's where i'm at with epinesa right now or with a uh, boogie bashing right now but epinesa is slowly starting to creep creep his way up but that's enough for those two guys the next guy on the list and you guys this guy's kind of polarizing to some of you, some fans. It's offensive tackle Spencer Brown. Now, Spencer Brown last year came off of back surgery. I've, I've you know beaten this dead horse to death. Um, very hard to move coming off of back surgery. Didn't have an offseason. Didn't see the field until week one of the regular season. And he, you know, barely was able to practice that week. And it was a long season for him. He allowed four sacks. He allowed nine hits. And 42 pressures. Penalties, he, he had six penalties. He played in 845 snaps on the offense. 551 of them were pass block snaps, and 294 of them were run block snaps. You know, he, he even had two snaps at tight end when we ran the, the big package. We put Bobby Hart in there. Overall grade was a 51.4. Pass blocking grade was a 49.4. That's unacceptable. Coming off the injury, I understand. But this is still unacceptable. This is going to have to come way up for him in order, in order for him to progress and maintain this job going forward. The grades, the statistics of penalties and sacks allowed, pressures allowed, 
are going to have to go down for Spencer Brown in order to keep his job at right tackle. We have a guy, Brandon Shell, who's here, who could probably produce better numbers than, than this right here. This is actually kind of shameful. But again, with the injuries occurring to Spencer Brown, I kind of understand why he didn't produce very well last year. But at the same time, it's still unacceptable. So Spencer Brown needs to be better. I have faith he'll improve. I do too. I like Spencer Brown. I like his attitude. I like his mentality. I like the fact that he still fought through last year with the back surgery, dealing with the injuries, you know, going through everything that he went through. I, I understand it. I, I get it, you know, and, and I'm with you. But I also understand the Bills going out and getting a Brandon Shell and also bringing back David Questenberry just in case this is just who you are. You know, if this is just who you are, Spencer Brown, then it's not good enough. And you're, at that point, a swing tackle in this league at best. Um, but I have faith in you, Spencer Brown. And so giving you the caveats of the injury and everything, and I know that who the hell am I to give you, you know, caveats and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm nobody, but you're a professional tackle in the NFL. I get that. I get it. But in giving you that, I understand what it is to go through an injury and start and try to perform you know, in the military. Get hurt all the time. Same as playing a sport, basically. You know, you go out there, ruck march, run, you know, play a sport together. It happens. It's a physical job. Let's see you do better this year. That's what I want for Pitzer Brown. Got to go out there. Got to prove it. Got to earn it. Now, next guy on the list, because Spencer Brown's a simple case. Injured last year. Got it. Go out there and be better. Go out there. Injury-free shows what you got. If you ain't got it, they won't keep you around. They won't keep you around. They'll trade you off like they did Cody Ford. Now he's on his 13 in three years or two years. Now, the next guy on the list, most of us are not so concerned with. He's shown improvement. He's done what he's needed to do. He is Greg Rousseau. Now, Greg Rousseau needs to get better because that's what Greg Rousseau is ascending to. Greg Rousseau came in as a rookie, had a pretty solid year, came in last year, got hurt, still put up solid numbers. His first season, overall grade was a 70.2, run defense grade 68.5, pass rush 65.2. Those are solid grades for a rookie who missed the year before due to COVID. Right? He didn't play the year before in college because of COVID. Rookie season, 39 solo tackles, seven assisted tackles, one forced fumble, 38 stops, four sacks, 20 hurries, six QB hits, and 30 total pressures on 249 run snaps and 265 uh, pass rush snaps. So pass rush to rundowns, he was pretty even. They trust him to do both. His numbers support that in his rookie year. Now, when you go to his second year, he graded overall as an 83. Okay? So he went from a 70.2, 68.5, 65.2, to an 83.6, a 67.9 run defense grade, and an 82.7 pass rush grade. His numbers leapt when it comes to his grades. Now, grades are one thing. Again, I already said this before. 
being graded nicely on PFF is just a nice thing to have, right? It's nice, but your numbers, you still have to produce on the field. You have to get the the, the raw numbers, the accumulated stats. So this year, 18 solo tackles. Add another seven to make it 25 total tackles with the assisted tackles there. One forced fumble, 21 stops, nine sacks. So he more than doubled his sack rate from year one to year two. And he missed time. 28 hurries, five QB hits, and 42 pressures. That's on 150 run defense snaps and 300 pass rush snaps. Now, Greg Rousseau's ascension is not because Greg Rousseau, you know, was a first-round pick. That's not the, that's not what it's about. This young man is putting in the work needed to do the job. His ascent has already begun. He's already doubled the amount of sacks. He's already produced. He's already shown the technique needed. He's got the grades. The grades have gone up. Everything about Greg Rousseau is in the upward direction. Every single thing about him. So Greg Rousseau needs to do this so that way when it's time to pay him, he gets the maximum amount. Will it be us? I hope so. I hope that when that happens, Von Miller will have gotten the Super Bowl ring, retired. That contract is now done off the books. You can now sign Greg Rousseau to a big deal because he will have earned it by then. That, to me, is very important. You want to build your own homegrown guys into everything. Waiting to see if Deion Dawkins made your list. Don't know what his grades were, but but, but bye. I'm not sure what you mean by but bye or you're leaving, but uh, Deion Dawkins did not make my list. Uh, his grades were actually pretty good. I'll go over his grades at the end if you just remind me. Uh, but my list will make sense, I think. Uh, Deion Dawkins, he said, your eye test had a down year. His numbers and grades did not show a down year aside from penalties. He had 12 penalties last year. Otherwise, his, his, his run blocking grade was like an 80. So he was, he was outstanding there. His run blocking grade, though, was down. But I'm thinking that that was more down because of Roger Saffold next to him because that dude was absolute garbage. But when it came to protecting Josh, he was either stopping you or he was taking the penalty. And as a left tackle, that is a responsibility that you have. You, you either eat the penalty or you and, and you protect your quarterback. That's it. And if it means that you got to eat the penalty to protect your quarterback, that's your job. So Deion Dawkins, the eye test says he had a down year, and I agree with that. But you have to remember the, you know, over-the-hill excuse of a guard that sat next to him. To me, that's, that's a very key component to that. Now, Greg Rousseau, again, he needs to improve not because he has not improved already, not because he's not already playing good with the nine sacks that he had last year, but because his ascension is already begun, right? So once you've started ascending, you have to continue to ascend until you get to that elite pass rush level, which I think he's capable of doing. I think he's really capable of becoming an elite pass rusher. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some time, but he's already shown growth and a lot of it from one year to, year, to second year. There was no sophomore slump for him. It just it, There wasn't. But then again, I wear sunglasses, so maybe my eye test isn't the most reliable. No, no, it, your eye test was not off. It's just that he was, he was most likely having to do things that he normally wouldn't have to do under the circumstances. Like if it was you know, Connor McGovern there last year instead of Roger Saffold, we're probably having a different conversation. You know, He may not be able to trust McGovern on rundowns, 
but he definitely would 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 be able to on pass downs, and so he might worry less on rundowns. I don't know. I'm just speculating there, but it is what it is. Now, next guy on the list, cornerback Kair Elam. Now, Kair Elam, rookie last year, didn't grade so good, right? Overall grade was a 56.7. Run defense was a 42.6. Coverage grade was a 58.7. Now, 33 solo tackles, seven assisted tackles, bringing them to 40 total tackles. Seven stops, zero sacks, six missed tackles, two interceptions. One of them was on Mahomes. It was beautiful. He allowed a passer rating of 98.9 on the year, and his yards per reception allowed were 12. That puts him kind of in the Marcus Peters of last year range, if, if, you know, just for transparency on that. Let's see if there's a game-by-game -game breakdown here where I could kind of – See what, what this is all about. Let's see. Nope. Okay. Well, we're stuck there. So everybody knows who's watched the Bills. Everybody knows that Kair Elam started off the year not getting the starting job. They gave it to fellow rookie, sixth round pick, or was it seventh round pick? Sixth or seventh round pick in um, Villanova's. Christian Benford. Christian Benford came in. They were both rookies. One a first-round pick, one a seventh-round pick or sixth-round pick. And Benford was a scheme fit. He came from Villanova. They run more zone. We run a ton of zone. Christian Benford's also not slow. He's not slow. He's not as fast as Kyrie Elam. Benford ran, I believe it was a 4-4-7, and Elam ran a 4-3-9. So you got one guy running a 4-4, one running a 4-3. One is more uh, adept in a zone scheme. The other one, more of a press man corner. As the year went on, Kair Elam started to get better. He started to improve. He started to intercept some passes off of some, some pretty good cornerbacks, quarterbacks. He started to figure out the zone concepts. He started to actually be able to cover within his concepts and the scheme and really had a lot of Bills fans clamoring for him to be on the field more. Uh, I think that this year we should see more of that. I think that with Sean McDermott taking over the defensive play calls, you're going to see more blitzing. With more blitzing, you're going to see more press man. I think that Elam is going to actually progress faster this year than he did last year. See, Elam played a lot of press man in college, so people had to realize there's going to be a learning curve for zone coverage. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly what I was saying. And so coming from that scheme to this one, and now McDermott taking over, you're going to see more blitzes. You can see more zone and man blitzes. You're going to see some cover three blitzes. You're going to see some cover one. You may even see some cover zero. And in those types of instances where you have cover zero, which is no deep safeties, Kair Elam in college really stood out. That's why he was a first-round pick, because press man in the SEC against the likes of LSU, against the likes of Bama, against the likes of pick somebody, Georgia, right? This guy was out there covering guys one-on-one -on -one and did a pretty good job of doing it. Did a pretty good job of doing it. In the NFL, as the season went on, he got better and better throughout the year. After the playoffs, he still looked better and better. Now, he comes in, and to me, he's most likely going to be the starter at corner opposite Tredavious White. 
And I know that he's working hard because we saw the work ethic before we drafted him. His little notebook he had. Every time I make a mistake, goes in my notebook. Goes in my notebook. Who was it against? Player's name. Player's tendencies. He takes notes. He keeps a booklet of every single time he makes a mistake. That is professionalism as at its finest. He's out there trying to improve himself. Kyrie Elam, to me, needs to step up this year. I have no doubts that the effort is being put in. No doubt whatsoever. But Kyrie Elam, good luck this year. Can't wait to see you. Next guy on the list. Drafted also last year. Next guy on the list. He's got a brother out there in free agency. Everybody wants their team to pick up. And his name is James Cook. Now, James Cook this past year had a solid season for a rookie. He went out there and was not the starter. He sat behind Devin Singletary, who has led the Bills in rushing the last four years. Uh, so James Cook had to, you know, scratch for his, his touches. He had 89 total carries. Overall grade, 78.2 from PFF. Rushing, 80.3. Receiving, 71.8. He was all in the green. Like his grades were all good. Again, grades are one thing. Raw numbers are another. So let's go into the numbers. 89 carries for 508 yards. Over five yards a carry. 100 carries for 500 yards is five. He was 11 carries short of that, and he was eight yards higher. So 5.7 yards per attempt is what he got. He only had two rushing touchdowns. It's crazy, you know, because Josh Allen usually runs the ball in the red zone, and James Cook didn't really have any red zone touchdowns from what I remember as a runner. He had one fumble, and it was the only fumble that he had all year, and it was in week one against the Rams. His first career carry, fumbled the ball, took a seat for a little while. Once he started seeing the field, the man started taking off. Forced missed tackles, 19. On 89 carries, 19 forced missed tackles. Yards after contact per attempt, 3.02 yards after the first hit. That's pretty good. Explosiveness, 10 plus, 10 plus yard runs. He had 12 of those. So he had 12 carries that were 10 or more yards. Receiving side, he had 33 targets for 21 receptions, 180 yards through the air, one receiving touchdown, and two drops. Okay, so total here, we'll do some quick math, 688 total yards, three total touchdowns on... 21 and 89 is 110 total touches. When I say touches, I mean catches and runs. James Cook had a pretty good year last year. He came in and did some good things when he got the ball after the fumble. Since then, I like it. So he came in more muscular to, to ugh, came in more muscular so he can block better. 4240. Yeah, he ran a 44240. So James Cook, he's fast. Uh, when he was at the Combine, I believe he weighed 190, and then when he showed up at Bill's camp, he was 199, I think it was. So there was a nine-pound nine difference where he lost weight in order to go out there to the Combine and perform best, like a lot of professional fighters do. This guy, professional athlete, not a fighter, but you know, a, a running back, decided to drop the weight to get to his maximum efficiency 
to be able to go out there for the combine, which is what everybody does. They go to the combine, they're way less, and then they get to their team and they end up putting a couple more pounds back on. James Cook this past year was outstanding. He needs more touches. He needs more touches. He needs more touches. 5.7 yards per carry and freaking all those runs where he had 10-plus yards. Was it 12 explosive runs? We need him to touch the ball more. End of story. In my book, especially since you have a guy like Osiris Torrance who can really mow people down ahead of him, James Cook should see the ball more. We should be running the ball a little bit more this coming year just from the numbers alone. Is he a bell cow back? Probably not. Should he get 200 carries a year? Probably. I'd say between 150 and 200 carries. Sweet spot for him. Because you have a Damian Harris to back him up and keep his touches low. Because you have a Naeem Hines going to go out there on some passing downs and take some snaps from there. Because you have Latavius Murray who, you know, at the goal line, you may want to, you know, have a powerhouse hammer try and get you that ball in there. James Cook will, will, will not get the, you know, amount of carries that, you know, he would if he was a bell cow on a team. But don't be surprised if he sees 150, 200 carries and still pops off for almost 1,000 yards. If he is lighting it up early, expect him to see the ball more and more because you lean on your good players. That's just a smart thing to do. 200 estimated this season. I haven't seen that, but yay me if I'm right, you know, and if that's what they're estimating uh, on professional, you know, blogs. I really stay off of those. You know, I like to try and do my own research. That way I'm not sitting here, you know, blowing smoke. You know, on occasion, I'll see a Bills content creator and I'll, you know, borrow an idea from them and try and differ it so I'm not spitting the same thing that they're, they're looking at. Or I'll try and look at it from a different angle, you know, like, hey, you know, what is the problem with Josh Allen, you know, and turnovers, you know, and then I can be like, okay, well, here's what's causing this. These are other factors involved. I try and get deep into things like that. That way I'm not just regurgitating the same BS that other content creators are saying. And I'm not saying that they're saying BS. I'm saying if I say the same thing that they said, I'm BSing. I can't do that. It goes against everything that I feel right about. Right. So James Cook had an outstanding year. When it comes to the production for touches that he had, can't complain about that one bit. Touches to yards, touchdowns need to go up, yes. But, you know, when somebody has 508 yards on the ground, I'm hoping for more than two rushing touchdowns. That's that's just me. But outside of that, I understand that we're, we're, we're in the red zone. We had Devin Singletary running the ball, who was our main ball carrier. We had Josh Allen, who likes to run the ball quite a bit in the, in the red zone. You know, we got guys like – um, Isaiah McKenzie last year, who would run an end around on occasion. Things are going to change, and I think that my boy here, James Cook, is going to see the ball quite a bit more. Now, next player on the list, he's a little lower on the list. People, you know, people may look at this as kind of like a reach. I don't think it's a reach because I think that this player really needs to step up his production this coming year in order to solidify himself as a role player on this offense. And that is wide receiver Khalil Shakir from Boise State, fifth-round pick from the Buffalo Bills in the 2021 NFL draft, or 2022 NFL draft, so last year's draft. Uh, Khalil Shakir had some had some nice shining moments this year, and then he had a few drops. Route running, crisp, beautiful. Natural route runner. 
Contested balls. Very good at catch, catching contested balls. Man has 17 targets, 10 receptions, 161 yards. So that's 16.1 yards per reception. He only had one touchdown. Overall, 62.4 PFF grade, receiving grade of 65.1. Not bad. He had one drop this year that was a, an official drop. There were a, f- a few other passes that hit his hands that he didn't catch, and we fans would say that's a drop. But they also weigh in circumstances. Was it a contested catch? Was he getting hit? Those They, they take that into atonement. So he had one official drop. Yards after catch, seven and a half yards after the catch. Passer rating when targeted, 110.2. So some solid numbers for a rookie wide receiver who was drafted in the fifth round who only saw the ball 10 times officially because of receptions, right? He caught way more than 50% of the balls thrown his way. Looks like it's about 10 of 17, probably 65-ish percent of passes thrown his way. So... Khalil Shakir, he, he really needs to step his step his stuff up in training camp. He's got guys that are working their asses off in order to get this job. Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy. I haven't heard much about Deontay Hardy, but he's out there. He's more more likely gonna be the gadget guy, the the you know kick returner or punt returner, while Hines does the other job. <clears throat> Khalil Shakir, in order to cement himself as the slot receiver, is going to have to go out there and work his ass off. He's out there working with Eric Moles. I'm very glad to know that he's out there working with some former Bill studs, but he's really going to have to to, to grind it and, and see what he can do. I really like Shakir. I'm a fan of how he moves. I'm a fan of his work. I'm a fan of his ability to high point the ball. I'm a fan of some of the way he catches the ball. Need to minimize the drops. Officially, I had one, but Still, to maximize the efficiency of your opportunities at the catch point. Let's, let's clear that up and just say it that way. And let's see Khalil Shakir do his thing. I'm hoping to see more of him. I'm, I'm hoping to see sometimes, you know, four wide receiver sets where it's not really four wide receivers. It's Diggs, Davis, Shakir. <clears throat> uh, I'm forgetting our rookie tight end's name. Kincaid. And then, you know, you have James Cook in the backfield. So much stuff you can do out of that. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what Shakir can do. And Roy says, will be interesting to see how involved Shakir will be this season. Close to what I said. Especially when you look at all the pass catchers on the roster. That's a fact. He's got a lot of competition. But I need you to step up, Shakir, because we drafted you. And we drafted you for a reason. And there were so many other teams that were out there that were pissed off that we went up and got you. I need you to do it, brother. I need you to do it. I predicted it. I'm trying to get these predictions to a higher level. Let's go, baby. Uh, I really like I really like Shakir. If you didn't get that, now you got it. But he, he's not he's not so high on the list just yet because again, this is his second year as a pro, but still, step it up. Next guy on the list. This guy is paid. This guy, you know, has had some ups and some downs in his career. He is a disruptive force on defense. His name is Ed Oliver. Now, Ed has a mixed results um, or a mixed fan club with the Bills Mafia, right? 
Some people were like, Ed is really, really, really disruptive. He just doesn't get the sex. And some people were like, well, um, if he's not getting the sex, who the hell cares about disruptive? And some people will even say, he's not as disruptive as you think. And I would disagree with those people. I'm somewhere in the middle on Ed Oliver. I really like him. I don't think he's lived up to that first round, ninth overall grade. I think there are other guys who were drafted in the draft class that have done better than him. But I also think that those guys may have potentially been in a better situation. Not Quinn Williams. He's just a monster. Jeffrey Simmons, also a monster. But he does he does play for the Titans defense. Mike Vrabel's there. They, he's got guys next to him that are studs as well. Linebackers have been pretty solid there. They have been for us too, so there's a lot of stuff that's pretty even there. He's just a monster. And if you ask me, he's just better than Ed Oliver. But th- does that mean that Ed Oliver is a bad player? It absolutely does not. Just, uh, it, uh, it doesn't. So... Ed Oliver, his PFF grades this year, 68.5 overall. Run defense, 68.7 overall. And his pass rush grade was a 62.9 overall. So he was a better run stuffer somehow than he was a pass rusher, according to PFF's grading system. Again, the grades are good, but let's go on to the numbers. Solo tackles, 23. Assisted tackles, 5 for a total of 28. One forced fumble, 19 stops. He had four sacks. 16 hurries, 11 QB hits, and 31 total pressures. So this tells me that his numbers indicate he is a disruptive force. He's just not getting home. He's not getting home. 31 pressures on 356 pass rush snaps, pretty good. Especially coming up the middle, pretty good. QB hits, 11, not bad. Needs to get there a little sooner, though. That's why he only had four sacks. 16 hurries, pretty good. Right? That means that out of the 16 times he hurried a quarterback, 11 times he got there, but only four of those times were they sacked because the quarterback you know, was able to get the ball out the rest of those times. Ed Oliver does need to improve this year. Right, He just got paid. Got paid a lot of money. And so Ed needs to be oh, – John Roberts said over here. Ed needs to be more consistent. He does, which is why you go out and you get a Puna Ford. You get another one technique, so that way your three technique, who is supposed to be the star of your defensive line, no longer needs for a one technique. Last year when Puna, when uh, Daquan Jones went down, Ed Oliver struggled because now he's taking double teams. When teams double teamed Ed and Daquan was in there, Daquan made them pay. Daquan made them pay. Now i got to pull up Daquan's numbers to, to just sh- let you guys know how that worked out. All right, so open that up and take one. Daquan Jones. So Daquan Jones's PFF numbers overall 72.6. Run defense 64.9. Well below Ed Oliver's. But his pass rush grade was a 72.8. Again, Ed Oliver's. Pass rush grade, 62.9. Daquan Jones's was a full 10 points higher. At Oliver's pass rush or run defense grade, 68.7. Daquan's is 64.9, so like four points. Daquan Jones, solo tackles, 27. Assisted tackles, seven. That takes him to a total of 34. Stops, 20. Sacks, five. He had one more sack than, than Ed. Ed is supposed to be the sack machine in the middle. But Daquan... Outsacked him. Hurries, 17 for Daquan. Ed had 16. 
hits. Daquan had eight. Ed had 11. Total pressures, 30 for Daquan, 31 for Ed. Comparably, pretty close. Those two guys are pretty close. They fed off each other so very well. So that way, when you were in there, Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver, and you were going to double Ed, Daquan would make you pay. And when Daquan was missing, that also was missing. There was no other guy to, you know, we double team at Oliver. This guy's going to get through. There was no other guy. There was no other guy where this, this good guy right here at Oliver, who's good against the run this year, we're just going to double him because the other guy sucks. That's basically what it was when Daquan was gone. Again, Ed graded higher against the rush, but Daquan kept defense or kept offensive lines honest. Now, if I go to the comments here, I was one of those fans that thought maybe he would be traded before or maybe during the draft. Well, I was wrong. Got himself a new contract. He got himself a new contract. Um, I don't want to say well-deserved or not. I think that, you know, I'm, I know for a fact that it saved the Bills money this year. I know that Ed Oliver's contract brought his cap number way down this year, and that's how we were able to afford Leonard Floyd. The Buffalo Bills, that contract with Ed Oliver, and it's a magnificent contract because it's a four-year deal. But they can get out of it after years two. Yeah, after year two, I'm pretty sure. So he's got this year, and he's got two more years after that, and then we can get out of it. So he's going to be here for at least, I think, three more years. Magnificent. Wonderful. I'm happy he got his contract. I'm happy it wasn't like a top-tier defensive tackle contract. We got some boys out there who are about to get paid. We got some boys out there who are about to get paid. And Ed saw that. I mean, Williams in, in New York, in, or excuse me, New Jersey, with the Jets. That boy is about to be paid. Whether the Jets are dumb enough to let him go and someone else pays him, or if the Jets smarten up and give him what he deserves. Greetings, Junie. Now, again, Ed Oliver, controversial topic, but he does need to step his game up. He, he did injure his ankle last year. He played hurt most of the year. Did well, didn't do great. We're waiting for Ed the Great to show up. Ed, be better. Get to that point where we can say we did a great job drafting this kid, developing this kid, paying this kid, keeping him on the roster as a part of the core of our defense, core of our roster. I know in the locker room, all the other players love him. Salute to you, Ed Oliver. Congratulations. Um but I need you to go out there and, and, and kick ass on the field. Thank you, good sir. Next guy on the list, also in a contract year. Bills fans are also up and down on him. We really like him, but we really need him to step up. We really need him to, to get out of his own head. We really need him to stop with silly techniques in doing his job. We really need him to stay healthy this year so that way there's no excuses as to why or why he didn't or why he did or why he didn't perform to the level that he should be performing at. And that is none other than wide receiver Gabriel Davis. Gabe Davis last year put up the most yardage of any year, the most yards per reception of any year. I think it was the most touchdowns. I think it was. Uh, it was 93 targets, 48 catches, so just 51.5% of his catch, of his uh, 
total targets for receptions. That's not good. 835 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, seven drops. Holy crap, seven drops. Uh, receptions, 17.4. Yards after catch per reception, 2.9. Passer rating when targeted, 80.7. That's a full 20 points below Khalil Shakir. It's a full 20 points below Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir is 30 points below. Excuse me. Passer rating when throwing to Khalil Shakir, 110.2. Gabriel Davis, 80.7. That's crazy. That's crazy. Overall grade, 64.2. And then receiving grade, 64.1. Khalil Shakir was a 62.4 and a 65.1. I'll take the better receiving grade with Shakir, but still. Still, still, still. Gabriel Davis had a pretty good year last year. I like Gabriel Davis. Love his attitude. Love that he works hard. Love that 98-yard reception against the Steelers, but that kind of makes the year less impressive, right? Because of his 835 yards, 100 of it came in one play. Literally 100 of it came in one play. 98 yards on one, that's 100 yards. I don't care what you say. If we're on a two-yard line and we throw it and you get 100 yards, that's one play. That's one-ninth of his whole season this past year. One ninth ish, close to it. That's that's just one play that that really helped his stats. Am I accusing him of padding his stats? No, because he went out there and he still put up another seven hundred thirty-five yards. But still, Gabriel Davis. He's apparently been working on not doing that whole gator clamp catch that he does. You know where he sees the ball and he clamps on it like a like an alligator. Didn't even go to Florida. He went to UCF. Gabe, love you, buddy. I really, really, really want you to pan out. Solid route running. You know, good footwork. Good at high putting the ball. Great sideline catches. Exciting to watch. Need more consistency from you. Love you to death. Want to see you do great things. Want to see you get paid, even if it's not by us. Want to see Gabe Davis pan out. That's just That would be just another brick, another player that RGM drafted that was worthy of a pick higher than where he was selected or that proved to be worthy. If you redraft that draft, Gabe Davis probably goes in the second, third round. Probably not a fourth round pick. Probably much higher than that. And, you know, that's that's cool, though. But Gabe needs you, need you to step it up, buddy. Needs you to step it up. And I've got one last player on my list. He is a big name. Former All-Pro. Former Pro Bowler. Former first-round pick. This guy right here is a stud. Last year, not not his best work. And, you know, for good reason. Because last year, Tredavious White came off that, that ACL injury the Thanksgiving before. right? Usually the first year coming off of an ACL sucks. It's usually the worst year you'll have in a career. Unless you tear it again and then, you know, you're kind of a downward spiral from there. He didn't tear it again. He actually went out there and played pretty good football. Good enough to be a number one corner on most teams. But, yeah, Gabriel Davis played fairly well last year. But it was nowhere near the all-pro, Pro Bowl level that we were used to seeing before. Last year, overall grade, 61.9. Run defense grade, 62.3. Rush grade, 56.1. Coverage grade, 61.3. All average grades. So he graded as an average corner. 
tackles, 17 solo, assisted tackles, three. So total of 20 tackles. Remember, he only played from after Thanksgiving on. So we lost Vaughn. We got Trey back. He had four stops, zero sacks, two missed tackles, one interception. He did, though. However, only allow a passer rating of 70.7, which is outstanding. Yards perception against him, 12.1. But passer rating allowed, 70.7. That is an excellent rating for a corner. To go out there and stop guys, that's it right there. Roy, I don't know if I saw this comment before. Maybe if someone steps up as a true slot receiver, that might help Gabe downfield. It might because Isaiah McKenzie last year was not that. I love, I love Isaiah McKenzie for what he is, which is the gadget guy, good, re decent return guy, unless he fumbles, which he happens to do, uh, and occasional slot duty, but he is not the primary slot receiver in any team, which is why the Colts went and drafted another receiver this year. And Isaiah McKenzie was a little upset about that. But you know what, Isaiah, you had your chance here, five years here. He's been here since Josh has been here. He developed into a nice gadget weapon, to a nice little weapon, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, but he's not wide receiver three. He's just not. That's just not who he is. He's too small. He's plenty fast enough, but his hands are too inconsistent. And he fumbles the ball too much. So Isaiah McKenzie, out the door. Now you have three guys in there, four guys if you count the tight end and Kincaid, battling it out for that true slot receiver spot. You have Shakir, you have Sherfield, you have Deontay Hardy, and then you have Kincaid. So that slot spot should be sorted out. Gabe is going to be fine. Just got to keep them ankles solid. Yeah, that's that's another thing I was mentioning with Gabe was the ankles. Now, back to Tredavious White. Had the knee, the knee surgery the December after the uh, the injury to his ACL. Comes back this past year after Thanksgiving. So just about a full year after his injury. And goes out there and allows a passer rating of 70. For his whole time here, he did not pass the eye test. Tredavious White did not pass the eye test for anybody. You know, people were like, he's getting burnt this, or, you know, he's, you know, he's allowing catches that. It's like, he allowed 70 passer rating against him, which is low. It's pretty low. He just wasn't able to make the big splash plays that we come to expect from a Tredavious White. Tredavious White is a cornerback who led the league in interceptions with Stephon Gilmore when they both went first-team All-Pro. And Stephon Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year. But if Stephon Gilmore didn't have the additional stats to go with that, Trey Davis White was a very good candidate to win Defensive Player of the Year that year. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stephon Diggs, stats for stats, at the peak of Stephon uh, Gilmore's career. I don't, if I said Diggs before, my bad. Stephon Gilmore. When Stephon Gilmore was the top corner in the league, Trey White was 1B. It was Gilmore, White, Ramsey, everybody else. That's what it was. And then he tore his ACL. And then last year, held his own. Thank you so much, Tredavious White, for doing that. You, you, you did excellent for a guy who just come off an injury, plus all the tragic stuff that had happened. Trey White didn't look into it last year. I don't know if you guys remember seeing any interviews with him. He just didn't look into it. He didn't look like he was ready mentally to be in there. He still went in there and did an admirable job for a guy who came off that knee injury. Mentally, maybe he wasn't fully there. Maybe he was like, you know, I don't fully trust it yet. There's that. 
Then there's other tragedies. The DeMar Hamlin stuff. The, the mass shooting before the season, which was a racially motivated incident. And Tredavious White just happens to be a black man from Louisiana. And he's embraced the Buffalo and the culture of Buffalo so well that something like that's got to be a shock to the system. Right? And to me, that you have to really look at Tredavious White and give him a little slack. And this offseason, these guys who are have access to you know practices have said he, he really he really looks good. He really looks good. And that to me is outstanding. Right. Last year we went into the season started with Dane Jackson as CB1 and Christian Benford as CB2, a seventh round pick and a sixth round pick. And we mollywopped the Rams. Absolutely dismantled the Rams. We went out there and dumped on the Titans. Absolutely massacred them first couple of weeks. With Dane Jackson and Christian Benford starting at corner. What? Yeah, we're talking about the two teams the year before that won the Super Bowl and were the number one seed in the conference. And with Dane Jackson, now you got Trey White out there. Dane Jackson could be CB2. I don't want him to be, right? He could be CB2, but him and Trey White are better than him and Christian Benford. You understand what I'm saying here? But who was the better cornerback? Was it Christian Benford or was it freaking uh, was it Kyrie Elam or Dane Jackson? To me, I think it's going to be Kyrie Elam this year. I think Kyrie Elam takes that step. And Tredavious White leading the way, fellow SEC corner, teaching this young kid the ropes now that he can move as well as he can. I think I think this is going to be crazy. I think the Bills' defense this year is going to take a big step, regardless of the fact that we don't know who a middle linebacker is. I think the middle linebacker position is going to be one of those spots where it's like a black hole in the defense where things are just going to flow smoothly. Now we got some comments here. Jarl the Jargy says, Trey is better than Gilmore at hockey, though. If you know, you know. I do know because you got that training academy, that hockey academy. Let's go. The goalie academy. See, I think we'll see Trey back at his peak this season. I agree. I agree. See, pygmy slapped the Rams. Rams in. Rams didn't belong on that field with us. We committed more turnovers than them and still beat them by 21 points. So, yeah, Rams can kick rocks. I'm not really a Rams hater, though, so I hope, you know, if any Rams fans see this, not hating on the Rams. You know, they, they did a great job the year before winning the Super Bowl. Congratulations. I'm waiting on my turn. I'm waiting on my turn. I want my team to win the Super Bowl. And so now here we are. Trey Davis White, back to full health. This defense is going to be nasty. And if Vaughn's ready... Week one, or if he if he's not, we have Leonard Floyd out there with Greg Rousseau and Shaq Lawson and AJ Panessa, Boogie Basham, you know, at, at the end positions. That 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 Floyd pickup makes Trade White's job easier than if you know we didn't have Vaughn and it was you know AJ Panessa or Shaq starting opposite of Groot. You now have Leonard Floyd, Mr. Nine Sacks the last three seasons. I know we've heard it before with Mario Addison. This is not the same thing. And do I expect Leonard Floyd to have nine sacks with us this year? No, because I expect his numbers to go down for total snaps played. We rotate a lot more than the Rams do. We just do. And you, the Bills don't always rotate just nonsensically. That's not usually how the Bills' defensive line works. On passing downs, you'll see more of a Greg Rousseau and an A.J. Epinesa out there if Von Miller wasn't here and if um, Leonard Floyd was here because – Epinesa is a better pass rusher. So if it's 
third and 13, you're going to see Epinesa and Groot out there. If it is third and two, you're going to see Shaq Lawson out there along with Boogie Basham probably because they, they just rated better against the run. Or you'll see Shaq Lawson and Groot so that they can seal the edges. That way everybody else can get to the tackles. That's how you operate a defensive end. The Bills have a very intelligent way of rotating guys in. It's third and 13. You're not going to have Daquan Jones and, and Ed Oliver out there. No, you're going to put another pass rush and defensive tackle out there like Jordan Phillips. You're going to go out there and try and smash as much as you freaking can. And that's just the way it works. I think that the Bills really will use Leonard Floyd very well. My man says Floyd 11 sacks. I don't know about that. It's possible, though, so don't 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 catch me, you know, doubting or denying. But I could see him putting up close to 10 sacks. You know. If he gets a, a closer to 50% snap count, yeah, you can see it. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. You know, with Puna Ford entering the mix and not having a, a down where you don't have to have a one technique in there, I see this defense taking a big step forward and making it a lot easier on whoever starts at middle linebacker, right? Because that mystery defensive tackle did no favors for Tremaine Edmonds, and he had his second-best year as a pro last year. And so having a sol entirely solidified defensive line, having an entire, entirely solidified defensive line works wonders for the secondary and the linebackers. And I think that that is really what Brandon Bean focused on was getting this defensive line right, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips in there. You know, somebody's not going to make the team. Then on the, on the edges, you bring in Leonard Floyd. I'm telling you, the, the, the Bills defense, people keep saying the Bills didn't get better, they got better. But we need these 10 players that I listed today to step up their game. That would immensely assist the Buffalo Bills in getting to and winning a Super Bowl. We need it to happen. We need all these guys, all 10 to go out there and step your game ups. Like Snoop, like Snoop Dogg said, baby, step your game up. We need you to go out there and ball out. Defenders, hitting, not missing tackles, getting interceptions, batting balls down, making tackles, you know, just being nasty and getting after the defense or the offenses. Offensive players, catch the ball. Don't fumble the ball. Hit the holes properly. Identify, you know, the defense before you make your moves. If you have option routes or if, you know, you're Josh Allen, you know. Josh Allen does a lot of his reads pre-snap. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes he misreads and he has to run around and do things that we don't want him to be doing. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The 10 guys that I listed here are the 10 guys that I see that need the most work. And in order for them to better their own personal careers – and for them to maximize this season for the Buffalo Bills, these are the 10 guys that I see really needing to step up. And I only pick guys who have been here prior to this offseason. So if they got drafted last year or before, they got signed last year or before, I'm talking on them, right? I'm not going to talk about Puna Ford who had a down year last year with the Seahawks because they changed their defensive scheme. I'm going to talk about the guys who were here and struggled within our scheme because I don't know what Puna Ford's going to do in our scheme. I have faith that he'll be good in our scheme. I have faith that Sean McDermott will bring the best out of him. But I have nothing to go off of within this scheme. So everybody I li listed was already here. 
Also, the defense is going to be game one of last season, uh, destroying hearts and taking no names. It's exactly what I think. I don't know if I missed this or not, but Mitch Morse or whoever the center will be is pivotal. Get the O-line set and protections called. So I think Mitch Morse had a good year last year, Lance. Um, he's not particularly good against the run or, or in the run game. He's more of a pass blocker. He did kind of have a slower year than usual. He did have a brand new left and right guard, right? He, he He's had Ryan Bates on the team before, but Ryan Bates didn't really start, right? It was Ike Bakker and heck, who the hell started before Roger Saffold got here? I don't freaking know. I don't remember. I'm trying not to live in that, but Roger Saffold was horrible. When we saw Deion Dawkins' run grade take a hit. Mitch Morse's took a hit. And then Ryan Bates is a solid starter. Now he's not great. He's not bad. Solid starter. But if you give Mitch Morse someone who's a ass kicker on both sides, or at least capable of holding their own, I think that he'll be. You'll, we'll see something be, uh, much better out of Mitch Morse. See, similarly, Edmonds was that guy on defense to get the D line lined up. Milano may be able to do this as well, but. We will want Dorian Williams to be able to do this. Dorian Williams or Terrell Bernard. Uh, I'm not really worried about which one it is. I think it's going to be Dorian Williams because he played more middle linebacker in college than Terrell Bernard did. Terrell Bernard kind of hybrided between that defensive and outside linebacker safety kind of spot. I think that he could possibly be middle linebacker, but I think that Dorian Williams has way more experience than that. So we gave Saffold free money. Yeah, we did. And he made a Pro Bowl, too, somehow. Freaking, what the hell? But you know what? That's last year. That's last year. This is now 2023 season. My 10 guys here, I listed. I listed all of them. All the guys that I think are really going to need to step it up. And that's AJ Panessa, Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, Greg Russo, Kair Elam, James Cook, Khalil Shakir, Ed Oliver, Gabe Davis, and Tredavious White. Now, after the thought, three defensive ends are on this list. Three defensive ends, Groot, Boogie, and AJ. Now, why are there three defensive ends on this list? I'll tell you why. Last year, when Von Miller was still playing, we were top five in pass rush. Von Miller went down. We were 29th in pass rush from that point forward. 29th. We went from a top five pass rush unit to 20 freaking ninth. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Von Miller was on pace for 16 sacks last year as a 33-year-old man. That's crazy. That is absolutely nuts. These are the defensive ends need to step up because you never know. Injuries happen. Groot could go down. Then we have Leonard Floyd and AJ Epinesa or Leonard Floyd and Shaq. We need these guys to step the hell up. Most quarterbacks in the league look like little kids compared to Josh Allen. That's true. And always, I don't know about always, but you know what? I'll give you, I'll, I'll take your word for it. These defensive ends, they need to step up more than anybody. Trey Davis White, I don't think he really needs to step up like that. I think he doesn't step up as an improve from last year, but Trey White knows what the hell he's doing. He's going to go out there and he's going to kick ass, take names. And he, I think he, he might get those interceptions back up this year, unless he discourages people from throwing his way. At which point, they're going to be dealing with Kyrie Elam, I believe. So, guys, we have a lot of great players on this team. You know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Deion Dawkins, 
you know, we, we've got Ed Oliver, who looks like he's on the come up, hopefully. You know, you've got guys like Von Miller, who absolute stud. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, studs. Trey White, stud. We need the guys in the middle of the pack. Those those middle end guys. Oh, Matt Milano, absolute stud. My favorite defender on this team. Uh, we need those other guys who are just, you know, middle of the pack players at the position to step the hell up. Your Ryan Bates step up. That's it. Guys, it has been a pleasure. Oop. We got one more here. Uh, can the Bills beat the Bengals? Uh, yes, the Bills can beat the Bengals, and the Bengals can also beat the Bills. This is going to be one of those rivalries that builds up. This is going to be a three-way rivalry going forward, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. It's just going to be a thing. We're going to play these teams every year so long as all three of us win our respective divisions, and when you have Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen at the top of your divisions, and quite possibly Trevor Lawrence here soon joining that club, it's going to be tough to you know beat any of these teams, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, and looks like eventually the Jags, especially with Doug Peterson down there as a head coach. He's outstanding. He looked great last year. So I'll probably have, have a chat about the AFC in the next few weeks. Um, that might be, might be something to get into until training camp starts. But, guys, it has been my pleasure. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Again, God bless all of you. And rest in peace to my buddy Javier. Love you, buddy. Go Bills. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.